right, hey everybody, and welcome back to the Blockbuster Podcast. Today is Monday, May 22nd. We'll be updating with the latest week of news in Hollywood and entertainment. Of course, the writer's strike is still ongoing, if you haven't heard anything about that yet. Last week's episode covered that pretty comprehensively, so I highly encourage going to go check it out. Uh, this week, the biggest item will probably be the Cannes Film Festival. Miller, you want to jump into that? Yeah, so there was a plethora of movies shown at, Can- at the Cannes Film Festival this past weekend. Um, of course, the big headliner that ended up coming out and got a lot of critical and just praise for was, of course, Martin Scorsese's Kill- Killers of the Flower Moon, of course, starring Leonardo DiCaprio, Robert De Niro, Brendan Fraser. Um, Making another appearance. Yep. And, uh, which is really nice to see, man. Um, yeah. Which he must have worked on that pretty quickly after The Whale. I don't know. For that to just be coming out, when did Killers of the Flower Moon start producing? Do you know? I have no idea. That's it can't have been too long ago. I mean, it kind of seems like Brendan Fraser entered the Hollywood scene again pretty aggressively because he had uh, the whale. But when was the award ceremony for that where he won that Oscar? Not too long ago. What was the Revenant when he won? That's no, no, Oscar? Brendan Fraser. Oh, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, that was only October, March, or not yeah, October, so February or March. I can't remember. He would have had to have been in Killers of the Flower Moon at least in production before he won the Oscar. So it's really nice to see that he was kind of. He didn't have to prove himself to get welcomed back into Hollywood. Martin Scorsese was already bringing him back into the fold, and it seems like they really welcomed him back with open arms. It's not like he had to show that he still had the chops to get back in the door, so that's good to see. Yeah, it is really good to see. Mm-hmm. Robert De Niro and Leo DiCaprio both look still pretty good in it. Robert De Niro actually looks younger than he did in The Irishman, surprisingly. <laughs> like He de-aged himself a couple of years to hop back into Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, Leo DiCaprio looking like he plays a veteran of some sort. Um you know, that fell in love with a, a Native American and seeing how that story plays out. I can't quite tell what Robert De Niro's supposed to be in the movie yet. I, I really don't know much about the movie besides it takes, like we discussed, take pla- takes place between, like, early 1900s, because there's cars and yeah. there's trains. and Like, very late 1800s to very early 1900s. Clearly it looks like something it's going to do with, like, Native American settlement, is what it seems like. It does, and, like, the exploitation of their land. There was definitely, like, an oil baron tone, almost like mm-hmm. a there will be blood type deal going on in the background with all the oil executives. Like, that room full of men in suits, I kind of took as, like, an oil executive meeting almost. That's what mm-hmm. it seemed like. Yeah, and that that's in the trailer, which also came out this week, which we'll get to when we get to our trailer section. But yeah, there's some stuff to discuss there as well. But, For sure. Next um, we had... Oh, you want to... <laughs> sorry. I can. Uh, we had Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. <laughs> What's the thing about that one? So, right now, as I just looked, it has a 49% on Rotten Tomatoes, so... With how many reviews? Because they only have uh, the professionals in so far. It currently has 35 reviews, so it's getting up there. It started out out (laughs) about the 50s, and it had, like, only six, seven reviews. I'm like, okay, maybe it'll kind of boost up, which, of course, we'll get more reviews when we get closer to the release, which is, uh, you know, the end of June, I think June 30th. I was hoping the reviews were kind of like a few very pessimistic reviewers jumping on the train to kind of rip on it early, but uh, it's looking like it's going to settle at about a 50 for the professional reviewers. Yeah, I... I've always been skeptical about this from the first trailer they showed, and just the fact of doing Indiana Jones 5, especially after uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, was kind of, you kind of already saw Harrison Ford kind of aging out of the role at that point, and it looked like it was kind of the ending of the franchise, and for years we thought it was going to be, and then, you know, Disney, I think, originally wanted to do a a miniseries with Indiana Jones, Mm -hmm. then they decided to do a film, and... Now we have this, so... I really felt like him getting married at the end of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was kind of like a nice resolution of the character. And Shia LaBeouf kind of... Yeah, taking up the mantle. 
Um, it seems like they really just kind of brought it back to cash out on it a little bit. Of course, they had to replace Shia LaBeouf because he's been a little controversial uh-huh. the last few years. So now he has a goddaughter. goddaughter. My goddaughter. And so, uh, dude, some of the delivery in that trailer is just rough. I, I've heard mixed things about, um, I think, what's her name? Phoebe Bridge? Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I've heard some mixed things about her playing his goddaughter, too, and things like that. Um, we'll just have to see how it settles out. Yeah, I'm just, I'm very skeptical about the fact that because of how old Harrison Ford is, having to use that kind of uh, facial, like, de-aging technology. And, I mean, it looks decent, mm-hmm. but it's just the fact that how much are they going to use that in the movie? Because it seems it's- like... Hollywood still seems to be figuring out how to manage that. I feel like for scenes like that where they're supposed to be taking character back in time, why not just deep fake Harrison Ford's younger face onto a younger actor that kind of looks similar in body type to him? I feel like that would have played off a lot easier. It's kind of funny seeing like a guy in his like early 30s punching at the speed of a, you know, 65-year-old man is is a little funny right. to see. And it makes sense too, like yeah, I know everybody was joking with uh, the Irishman about Robert De Niro's very <laughs> geriatric, yeah, his very geriatric looking curb stomping of a guy. Um, but we'll have to see how it plays out. I really hope that they kind of honor the character mm-hmm. and keep with the same tone. But the one thing I have heard, and uh, take it as you will, mm-hmm. I have heard it's a good swan song for Harrison Ford playing the character. And of course, he got the standing ovation after the showing. So that was kind of a cool scene to see him. And he teared up a little bit because. You know, it was, a, it was a huge role for him, aside from, you know, you playing Han Solo, which in later years we saw with Episode Seven of Star Wars, you just kind of didn't even really care about. It yeah. seems like Indiana Jones is a character he still truly cares about. He, he seemed to really, yeah, he really always seemed a little bit jaded with Star Wars, like he wasn't a huge fan of it himself. Um, Indiana Jones seemed like something that was very much his, yeah. like that he was a huge fan of. And that's, I really hope it is. I think the best thing we could hope for out of this one is to have a fun story along the way, but as long as the ending gives him a good conclusion to his mm-hmm. character, I think that's the big thing that's going to make or break the movie. For yeah, me, that's, that's big for me as well, because it's, it's, it's such an iconic character, and just, you know, doing him right is the big thing, because a lot of movies kind of tarnish the legacy of those older characters, which I'm hoping they can, you know, make sure it goes well yeah, at the end of it. I agree. So another one that I was able to find a lot of information on, but I saw it was on the slate, was Pixar's Elemental, which is the next big Pixar movie to come out, because, you know, they always release in the summer, and, mm-hmm. of course, there's trailers out for it. It's got to do with, like, characters kind of intermingling within different, like, environmental communities. Of course, you got, like, fire, wind, water, air, I think was the four. Yeah, like or the classic Earth, four. Or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, but the trailer, I, I thought, looks like it's, like, a little cute movie. Like, you know, it reminds me a lot of, like, Inside Out or stuff mm-hmm. like that. Just... It's a very interesting idea for Disney to do. I know this has been one that's been on their back that Pixar has had on their back burner for years. Really? And I don't, yeah, it's it's actually, I feel like it's been around for a couple of years now, but I, part of me, I, I don't know how true it is. This is just my kind of thoughts on it. It almost seems like Pixar is trying to take notes from Disney on like what Disney wants. So the, of course, last year we had Lightyear, which I thought was not a good movie at all. I thought Lightyear was very unnecessary i thought bringing in chris evans instead of tom uh, uh tim allen excuse me as the character of buzz lightyear was a weird move um yeah. it looked good it looks good because pixar always looks good but it just it was very weird very not that great of a spinoff and i love buzz lightyear as a character um and of course you know in previous years we had like sequels like long-awaited sequels and it just seems like disney's like okay what's gonna make us money and what's gonna That'd make be pixar? My, yeah yeah i mean it looks like a cute little family film i wouldn't I think you just kind of keep your expectations reasonable with that one and say, good one to take the kids to, have a nice little fun one to see, but that's about it. 
Yeah, I'm I'm interested in it. Um, I'll I'll try to make time to see it, but it's not one that I'm like breaking my neck to go. Yeah, we'll see, see it when we see it. Breaking my neck to see. Um, of course, another one that was shown is Wes Anderson likes to take his films to this film festival. Of course, in just a couple weeks, we actually have Asteroid City, which is his next big production. Has all the kind of Wes Anderson isms in it from the trailers. The trailers look great. Star-studded cast. Um, a lot of his regulars that he loves to use in his films. Um, you know, just very artistic looking, very, you know, everything's very symmetrical. He's definitely got his own style to it. Have you heard much about the reception for this one from Ken? I, I haven't heard much reception about this. Neither have I. I'm a little bit curious as to why it's been so radio silence if it got a showing there. Uh-huh. Um, I guess it's probably just what you expect. I know a lot of people are pretty invested in Indiana Jones and Killers of the Flower Moon. Maybe Asteroid City is kind of what you would expect out of a Wes Anderson. Like, I haven't right. seen a lot of, like, big hit articles on it of, like, oh, it's awful or, oh, mm-hmm. it's so unexpected. I think you know what you're getting, though, with a Wes Anderson movie, though. Kind of right up his alley, uh-huh. which it's always been popular. I know a big trend lately has been using AI to generate, like, Wes Anderson versions. Of, yeah. We saw that one in Lord of the Rings a little bit ago that was pretty funny. And uh-huh. It'll be a fun one to go see. I- I'm, I'm interested in it. I think it'll be a fun one to go see. Um, but, yeah, some of these movies, you never know. Like, Elemental didn't have anything come out about it. I think it's, like... They have embargoes in some of these movies, specifically. So that may have been the case with the Wes Anderson film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. I because we got that. stuff on Killers of the Flower Moon, Indiana Jones, and a couple other ones. Besides that, not really. Mm-hmm. Um, so a big one that's been getting a lot of buzz is um, one about, it's called The Zone of Interest, which is the one that's been getting even more praise than Killers of the Flower Moon. Wow. Um, I don't know too, too much about it. I just kind of did some research on it recently. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we don't get to go to Cannes. We're just kind of living around, just seeing what the news is. Oh, yeah. Uh, zone of interest has to do with the, uh, kind of the, the oh, what's the term? I don't want to say commander, but kind of the, I guess. The head of Auschwitz, pretty much. Ah, uh, okay. And kind of the repercussions of everything that goes on there. Um, I haven't seen, is it like set in the uh, Nuremberg trials after the fact or is it set during the operation of the camp like do you know I, I, I haven't seen a trailer or anything I don't know if that's one of those where they've been pretty radio silent on a lot of it maybe they kind of had a very low key showing at the at the festival uh, let's see so it's the commandant of Auschwitz does that 100% on Rotten Tomatoes yep it has a 100% wow. that's what I'm saying it got better uh, Killers of Flowman has 95 right now um, that's both pretty fantastic. I feel like once you hit like past the 92, 93, you might as well be like a pretty dang good mm-hmm. film, aside from nitpicking. So the synopsis of it is the commandant of Auschwitz, Rudolf Haas, and his family, Hedwig, stri- or his wife, Hedwig, strive to build a dream camp- dream life for their family in a house and garden next to the camp. So it seems like it's going to be while the movie's, while it's going on. That's the Boy in the Striped Pajamas. That's yeah. very similar to Boy in the Striped Pajamas, um, it sounds like. But it's, uh... <laughs> It made by A24, surprisingly. Wow. Their producer on it, so. That ought to be a pretty good one. I'm curious to see how it comes out. Do they have a release date on that one yet? Uh, let's see, 2023, as of now. So I kind of think it's closer to later in the year, getting some Oscar buzz, probably. It's getting reception say, like this. That's pretty well-timed for the Oscars. I feel like late releases are kind of like when people put out movies hoping for Oscars. And, of course, Killers of the Flower Moon, Flower Moon is October 6th, so it's, you know, that fall slate. Heavy so. Oscar season. Yep. Let's see. What is this next one you put on the list? I, I'm not familiar with that one. Okay, so A Strange Way of Life was the film that opened up um, the film festival. And I haven't found too, too much about it. Mm-hmm. I just know it stars Ethan Hawke and Pedro Pascal. And I heard it's very much like Brokeback Mountain. Interesting. Oh, maybe... 
Oh, maybe I saw one little thing about it like forever ago, but I haven't really seen much since. I wonder if that was like a was it a lower budget one? Who was the producer on that? Do you have any information on Let's that? Let's see. Um, it was Pedro Pedro Alamodo, Alamodover. Was the uh, director? I can't pronounce it. Yeah, he's the director. Hmm. Um, let's see. It's a short. It's 31 minutes. Oh, so it's it, like a mini It opened the film festival. It has a 73% right now on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, and like so I, that'll never be like a film release. That's just kind of like a little yeah. snippet mini film. But like I mentioned, the, the two big leads in are Pedro Pascal and Ethan Hawke, which of course, That's Pedro Pascal has had a very, very interesting past couple of year probably with Mandalorian and he's been killing it Ethan Hawke has kind of been doing pretty well yeah he well. did I loved him in uh in Black Phone yeah I was about to say I feel like 90s and early 2000s he was kind of typecast as like a villain in a lot of like action flick ish kind of things like wasn't he in Point Break with Keanu Reeves he was like one of the main evil yeah. surfers uh-huh. um he he was kind of like a late 90s early 2000s villain and now he's getting a lot more prominent roles of course he's definitely a villain in Black Phone mm-hmm. um and then he was also the villain of Moon Knight on Disney Plus Yep. So he's, he seems to be landing a lot more prominent roles. It's almost like he kind of... Well, he was also in Sinister. He was I, in Sinister, yep. He stayed pretty active, but as of late, he's definitely hitting it pretty hard. Um, and then another one I'll mention here, I don't have it on the list, mm-hmm. is... So we have uh, Johnny Depp's big return to film. He also had his big debut film since, you know, the trial really? and everything. What is that? Um, it is called Gene Duberry. Oh, isn't that like a biopic? J.N. Duberry. It seems very French. I think I saw um, something about that. It was a biopic of a uh, French artist? Yep. A working class woman determined to climb the social ladder, used her charms to escape her improv- impoverished condition. Her lover, the Comte Duberry, which I'm guessing is uh, Johnny, Johnny Depp, Depp. Uh, has grown rich thanks to Jan's uh, intrigues. So yeah, it's like, you know, early... Early France. I wish I knew more about it, but I just saw this one on the list and I thought it was pretty interesting. This is the big film to kind of bring Johnny Depp back into the spotlight. Well, good. I'm, I'm glad to see he's getting back into stuff after the whole Amber Heard drama and everything. He seemed to be pretty uh, vindicated from all that and feared mm-hmm. of all that. So it's good to see that he's still in it. And the last interesting thing on here is actually a TV show. Um, I don't know how many episodes were shown. I don't know if they just showed the pilot episode or not. Yeah, I've seen um, some trailers for But that. there's been a lot of marketing for this for HBO recently, and that's uh, HBO's The Idol, which is made by the people who did Euphoria, of course, which mm-hmm. is a huge smash hit for HBO. Um, and this one has Lily Rose Depp, speaking of Depp's, um, and it has The Weeknd is kind of like, was a big name behind this Is project. that his daughter? Uh, yeah. Johnny Depp's, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. really? I didn't actually mm-hmm. know that. Was she in, she was in Euphoria, wasn't she? Ooh, that's a good question. I haven't watched much Euphoria, I just know. Huh. I'll have to look that up later. But, um, nice. but yeah, having her and the weekend in it is pretty, pretty interesting. It looks very like graphic, very you know scandalous. Yeah. If you want, if it you will would. be. Which the weekend? He's done a little bit of acting before. Is this his first? He's done a little bit. Of acting. He was in Uncut Gems. That's the one I remember. That's about. right. He was in Uncut Gems a little bit. But we know he's pretty creative. We, he's uh, super creative. I know we talked about his uh, horror nights house and all that. He was very hands on with that. Yeah, and do... just his music videos and just very artistic. Yeah, very... he's he isn't one of those people that can just do one thing is a medium. He, he seems very versatile with that. So I'll be curious to see how he is in it. Right. So those are the big things we had from Cannes. Um, of course, like I mentioned, the big, like, like we mentioned before, the big two things were, of course, Killers of the Flower Moon kind of being this huge, like, magnum opus or just mag, like, masterpiece. I can't mm-hmm. even come up with words. Um, by Martin Scorsese. And I've heard Leo's excellent in it, which you would expect from Leo. Mm-hmm. And of course, we had the mixed reaction of Indiana Jones, but kind of, 
you know, getting to see Harrison Ford get his flowers. So that was, those are the two big things that I've seen nice. come out of it. I was about to say, is Killers of the Flower Moon, is that going to be one of Scorsese's last? I mean, it probably will be one he's of getting, his last He's getting movies, up there in age, man. I know. Is I this, saw a picture of him at the premiere. I was like, ooh, he's... He hasn't, like, announced that this is his last movie, but I know that some of those filming schedules and things like that can be pretty grueling. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious if this happens to be his last one. I guess we'll have to find out. I haven't I haven't seen anything about it. But. I suppose we'll wait and see. Mm-hmm. Should we go ahead and hop into some other news? Yeah, you want to take us off of the first piece? Yeah, kicking us off, this is a very fresh news. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, as we mentioned uh, for last week's news, that he is getting a biopic on Netflix. He actually happens to also be becoming their uh, chief action officer. I'm not exactly 100% sure what that role entails, to be honest. Um, have, did you do some more research on what all the chief action officer does as the name implies I kind of assume that he's going to be overseeing a lot of the maybe action set pieces for Netflix original productions or their action movie acquisitions directors they partner with um, I'd imagine he's a former governor of California so he probably has a little bit of sway in terms of what goes on in LA and around productions and things like that he probably knows some people that'll be great for bolstering Netflix's I, position I personally feel like from what I'm reading here it seems more like he's going to be kind of like a, a figurehead, like a speech, like a kind mm-hmm. of a person, like a speech, uh, I can't find the word, someone that kind of advocates for these films that are coming out. Okay, it's so like a figurehead a bit. Yeah, like figurehead. A public speaker on behalf of the film, mm-hmm. someone to do PR and promoting. So like in the in the video where they announced that he was the, uh, that he's going to be that, he took over that role that Netflix put out, he of course talked about uh, Extraction 2, which we'll talk about later because we got a trailer for that. Uh, the Witcher season three, which has come out, which is Henry Cavill's last season, and Gal Gadot's Heart of Stone, which are three big action things that are coming to Netflix. Of course, he said in the video, "quote Nobody knows action like I do, and nobody hits like Netflix." So it definitely seems like he's going to be kind of like a. I was about to say in terms speech of speech advocate. For in, in terms of like action promotion, I'd say that's probably a pretty good move on Netflix's part. And again, he's just a heavy hitter. He knows a lot of folks. So getting him involved with Netflix hopefully will help bolster their position over here over the next few years. Yeah. Um, he also, you know, did the show, I think it was called FUBAR, was a little TV show that came to Netflix recently. So I feel like I heard about that yeah, one. Yeah, that was, I think, his latest project he's done. So, you know, last thing you do with Netflix, and they're like, okay, let's lock him down so he can kind of advocate for what we're putting out. It's, it's a smart move on Netflix's part. I, I was think. about to say, he's getting up there in age, too. He may want to take a step back from acting, so this is a great way for right. him to... And, also with that, involved. also with that, just a little tidbit I want to add to that. He mm-hmm. also said at the beginning of the week he's done with the Terminator franchise. He yeah. said the franchise will continue to roll on, but he said I'm, I'm done, which I think is a good move. Yeah, uh, I think if they don't ever move on from it, they'd either have to end the Terminator franchise and start with something fresh, because he is such an integral part, or they're really going to have to take things in a new direction and and freshen things up themselves. Yeah, I could see that. Um, so should we pivot on to some Disney news? Oh yeah. So. This one is less so in terms of productions and on-screen stuff, but Disney's Galactic Star Cruiser experience opened uh, just about 18 months ago, so it's been open for about a year and a half, and it is already set to close in (laughs) September. It was apparently a very big financial dump for Disney. They really were not making their returns on it, and it really didn't stay open long. Normally for a big investment like that, I know they put a lot of money into that Star Cruiser. It must have had a really rough first year and a half for them to be shutting it down that quickly so we'll just kind of have to see how they pivot from that you mentioned they were going to probably convert the location into uh, another hotel hotel. probably it's just it's going to be a tough fit because it really is just a big concrete building with no windows 
and like barely any doors. Like it, cause it's meant to simulate that you're in space. So they have screens instead of windows instead to kind of, of make it look like and... you're in space. And it's just like, it's a, now listen, from what I've heard from a lot of people, you know, like I've watched on YouTube that go to Disney and said, it's a really cool experience. And it does look like a cool experience. If you're a star Wars fan, you want to cosplay and pretend like you're in the world and just be very interactive with everything. Mm. But for the price point of $6,000 for a family of four for a, I think it's believe it's two night, three day stay, Whoa. that is a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I just, who's the general population there? I mean, they they built a huge full hotel building. I don't know how they expected to keep it stocked mm-hmm. a whole year round. I just, I don't know who made that decision in the first place I to just, price it that I, way. I, it kind of makes me a little bit frustrated with Disney because they make something that's so cool and innovative, and it's it's such a great idea. Uh-huh. It's just the fact that Star Wars, the majority of Star Wars fans are going to have $6,000 just blow without any financing or pulling out a loan or anything like that. I, I find it very... <laughs> yeah, let me just pull out a, a $6, loan for my family's two-night stay at Disney. You could buy a used car with that money. Uh, yeah, no kidding. You buy a lot with that money. Mm-hmm. But um, that's a, that's a life-changing amount of money for a lot of people. And I find it interesting that instead of trying to maybe scale it back and lighten up the experience and mm-hmm. bring down the pricing, like they, they don't try to adjust the pricing down to welcome in a more general audience. The or they best don't try thing to make done. it more mainstream. They're just going to shut down the whole thing. Yeah. And I, I find that really interesting. they got to find some healthy way to pivot from this. Because yeah. otherwise, I imagine if I was a major stockholder in Disney or a main investor in Disney, I would be losing it right now. They had to pivot. We'll go into another investment they messed up in a minute. But, I mean, this is just rough times for Disney. They've made a lot of major missteps mm-hmm. lately with their film productions, with their physical properties in Florida. Disney Plus has had another decline in kind of subscriber count. Like, yeah, which I know a lot of that was that they they lost cricket in India. We discussed that last week, mm-hmm. too. So they lost a lot of their Indian audience, but I know a lot of their American audience is still kind of struggling to stay on board, too, with their recent decisions. Yeah. It's looking rough for Disney. It definitely is. I, and we've been talking about how Marvel's struggling at times. We're going to see how the MCU holds up over the next few months with their releases. Uh, of course, the writer strike is going to have an impact on that too. It's looking rough, man. It is. It really is. I'm, I'm curious to see how they recover. While we're still on that note of Disney, we'll cover the other development that I kind of teased out a minute ago. Uh, there was supposed to be a $1 billion, roughly, real estate development in Florida that was going to essentially be a new uh, corporate office location for mm-hmm. Disney. Um, and they just... Pulled full health on that. I know a lot of people have been citing Disney's conflicts with Ron DeSantis regarding their tax law and government status as the reason that development has stopped. Uh, I've kind of heard mixed things. Some people are saying that that's the reason, but there were some hints that they were already a little bit dissatisfied with the idea of the development in Florida, even before they started kind of brawling with Ron DeSantis. Mm -hmm. I think part of it is that a lot of the people who were supposed to go into that office in Florida, um, just didn't want to leave from California. Like, yeah. it was a lot of kind of creative types, maybe writers or producers or et cetera. Whatever kind of clerical stuff that they were supposed to be doing in that office in Florida, they were, from what I've supposedly heard, transferring folks out of California and incentivizing them to move to the new office. And a lot of them didn't want yeah. to. So I don't know if it was just as simple as not wanting to make that financial decision or what. Or just political discourse. or It almost feels like Disney is... So again, Disney and Ron DeSantis, um, the governor of Florida, have been in a pretty big brawl over their 
tax exemptions and that government status for a while, it almost feels to me, and, and feel free to disagree with me on this, that some of that discourse that the development isn't going into Florida because of Ron DeSantis is coming from Disney. Like, they certainly have not done anything to tamp down that rumor at all. No, I, I agree. I think, I feel like they try to put all this stuff on DeSantis, and I, I don't I don't want to get too, like, into it, but it seems like they're definitely putting a lot of stuff on DeSantis. I'm not definitely not agreeing with DeSantis on stuff, but it seems like they're using him as a scapegoat for some of their things. Like, they do. Their, their prices for, because ever, ever since COVID, you know, they've had decline in the parks, like you mentioned, and, you know, so they spiked their prices up and it's been, it's gotten so expensive to just go to like the parks for a couple of days. And on top of that, like we mentioned, the Galactic Star Cruise for $6,000, just prices are so expensive down there now, man. And I just feel like people aren't willing to pay that price to go down there anymore. Yeah. And it's just, it, it doesn't apply just to the common family anymore. Like you got to budget out so much money just to plan a trip. Like, yeah. I mean, just like a hot dog in any of the parks is going to cost like 12 bucks, 15 mm-hmm. bucks for it is, yeah. I mean, it's just, I, I get that that's the experience they're selling, but they're, I really think they need to pivot in some way or get it back on track. They seem split up between a lot of different directions. Of course, Disney's having to deal with the fallout with Disney Plus. They've got some parts of the company, again, brawling with DeSantis. It's like they don't have, they have so many things going wrong right now. It's like having too many holes on a ship that you can't patch all at yep. once. And it's really tough to see them so torn over what to do first. Uh, so we'll just have to wait and kind of see how that plays out. Yep, for sure. I see you put down a note about Loki Season 2. You want to talk about that yeah, a little bit? Yeah, so speaking of Disney+, Plus, um, it was announced this week. Of course, we're getting um, Secret Invasion on, I believe, June 21st or somewhere around there. Yeah, that one's coming out within a month. Yeah, it's coming out within a month. Um, then we're getting Loki Season 2 weekly, um, which starts on October 6th. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, also the day Killers the Fog movie comes out. Super hyped for that. But um and we also are getting Echo, which this is the first time that Disney Plus is releasing all episodes of the series at once. And that's coming out on November 29th, which is also kind of a red flag. A little bit. Um so here's my thought. Loki season two and Echo both going straight to Disney Plus. Why would they do Loki season two weekly and Echo not? I feel like they have the sense that Echo may not be super well-received. So if they release it all at once and allow people to binge it, there's a little discourse, and then it's over. I feel like it's more the fact that people will tune in weekly for Loki. And I feel like he's, like, because the first season was, like, pretty pretty well-received for the most part. Yeah. Well, it's got um, good star power, too. Tom Hiddleston yeah. tends to uh It had good star power, and, and it had the big implications to what was coming in the MCU. It did. Um Echo seems like this very localized hero, you know, tied to kind of what we saw in Hawkeye. She was in Hawkeye, and it's just a character that not many people know, like, at all. So I feel like they're just going to try to put it all out at once so you can see the kind of conclusion of that series. So Was Echo the Death Girl from Hawkeye? Yes, yes, it was. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Was this one... Oh, you know, I'm thinking of Cloak and Dagger. I was thinking that Echo was in development for a super long time and wasn't getting developed. Yeah, that was Cloak and Dagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Echo... That was, um... ABC Family or Hulu or something like that? Something like that. But um, Echo's been on a pretty steady development path. From what I've heard, yes. Yeah. Um, but I just know a lot of people are not excited for it because it's not a character people are invested in. It's kind of and a little spin I out. understand they're trying to be inclusive. I do. But it's just a weird character to kind of try to cover, especially when 
you know, Disney Marvel is trying to kind of, they said they want quanti- quanti- quality over quantity, and mm-hmm. they're trying to cut back, which is nice that we only have three shows this year, and they're pretty evenly paced out. It's just, I don't know, man. It it's seems just, very odd for them to focus that on a character mm-hmm. that doesn't really have wider implications. Yeah, it's it's stuff like that, and the Agatha show, and just stuff like that. It's like, why are they putting resources and time and effort into Towards this? Towards characters like, that we were very happy uh-huh. to leave as side characters in our main players franchises. Yep. It is very odd. They're dividing their kind of creative ability and their, their firepower to these smaller projects, and it's just odd. Yeah. I, I really, hopefully Echo, I know that her main gimmick as a character is that she's deaf. Hopefully it's not like a super CGI heavy thing. It would be really nice to see a Disney produ- production that's more on like the practical effects mm-hmm. side. Kind of grounded, a little bit more well done. That might actually be a refreshing change of pace from a lot of the MCU lately. I, I would also not be surprised the reason they're going to release this all at once is for the main fact that I feel like it's going to start slow and kind of build that character up and people just don't care about that. Mm. I do think a big selling point of it is I think I, I'm, I would not be surprised if Kingpin comes back in this. Because he's, we saw him in Hawkeye with her. I think they were related. I was like, about, yeah, I was about to talk about that. Um, well, I think she was related to a character that Hawkeye had killed. Isn't that why she had some kind of vendetta against him? Yeah, I think so. It was something like that. But I thought like her uncle, she was working for Kim. Yeah, that's him. So, I mean, he, I, I have a feeling he's going to show up in the later episodes. And so they're like, okay, people aren't going to be around for the first couple episodes, but they're going to want to see him show up. So. And when does Daredevil Born Again release? We don't know, because that's another one, the writer's strike. Oh, yeah, that so, one's been affected, too. So, it's in production, but who knows? I was about to say, so Kingpin was in Hawkeye. She was also in Hawkeye. Hopefully. Daredevil's in She-Hulk. <laughs> Daredevil's in She-Hulk. Hopefully, we get Kingpin to return for Daredevil Born Again. So if he's also an Echo, then Echo could maybe go over to Daredevil Born Again. I can because they're street-based heroes. Yeah. yeah, well, she's also deaf, so they kind of... He's blind, she's deaf. They could kind of... Yeah, he's blind and she's deaf. That, that could almost make an interesting dichotomy, putting those two against each other. Yeah. You know? Because his whole thing is, he hears by Echo. I don't know. I'm just kind of curious. Hopefully it ties into something. If it is... If it genuinely is just some weird little dead-end spinoff that doesn't have any wider implications, it really does beg the question of, why bother? Mm-hmm. So, we'll have to see how that one plays yeah, out. Yeah, for sure. Um, and last but not least, just a little tidbit I just saw that I thought was pretty interesting is, on the topic of, you know, biopics and docuseries, stuff like that, we talked about Arnold last week. Uh, apparently, a four-part Tim Burton docuseries is in the works. There's no ties to who it's with or what it's going to be, but I just saw it was kind of in the works so and that man has a very long illustrious film career so he does and on another tangent do you want to talk about the um back to the future uh docu-series oh yeah oh the docu-movie it was like an hour yeah, and a yeah. half oh was it a single movie huh? oh i didn't know it was yeah so i actually watched i know um yesterday uh i watched it's called still a michael j fox movie and it has to do, of course michael j fox who suffers from parkinson's and you know, it had a really big film career in the 80s and in the 90s. Even early 2000s, he had shows when he was dealing heavily with Parkinson's. I think he still makes little appearances here and there. Yeah, he does. He makes little like... cameos and stuff like that. He'll make, like, talk show appearances and mm-hmm. uh, stuff like that. But uh, this film definitely was pretty interesting. They used a lot of archival footage from him making different shows. He, of course, Family Ties is kind of where he got his start. Um, stuff from Back to the Future. They did some really cool recreations of kind of um, just being on the sets and how he kind of had to move between shooting family ties in the day and back to the future at night. And mm. 
then you kind of get how his Parkinson started and how he kind of tried to drown it out with alcohol and uh, takes pills like all the time just to kind of get this, the twitching to not be as bad and you know then they cut to him like live footage of him now and it's it's I mean it's kind of heartbreaking man but at the same time he he kind of stresses throughout the whole documentary it's just like I don't want anyone to feel sorry for me like I've lived a great life I have a loving family like it's pretty much all I want and he seems very down to earth about it uh -huh. it's really from what I have seen because I haven't watched the whole thing through mm -hmm. like you have it looks very humble it's very humble. he did go through so much but like you said he doesn't like play it up for sympathy or anything like um, that it's and he has a really good story I, I think I think yeah. what I really appreciate about it is the whole point one of the first things I talk about in the film is like um, why do you just want now to tell the story he's like because I don't know how much longer I'm going to have to function to tell this story and I'm like I thought that was pretty powerful and yeah. the film was one of my favorite ones I've watched this year it's only an hour and a half we'll documentary on Apple TV Plus if you have Apple TV Plus I would definitely tune in and watch it um, yeah I, I, I thought it was very moving one of the better documentaries I've seen recently. Um, it's in my top five movies of the year. So Very nice. Mm -hmm. And in the topic of movies, should we move on to the recent trailers from this week? Yeah, there's a good, there's a heavy, heavy week for trailers. So You want to kick us off? Yeah, so of course, um, we'll, we'll have an episode on this shortly, sometime this week. Probably about a Wednesday night or yeah. Thursday morning. Uh-huh. So we had the Fast X final trailer come out at the beginning of the week. So last Monday, um... Which, of course, came out this past weekend. We saw it last night. Mm -hmm. um, it was uh, quite a trailer to kind of let you know what you're in for. It It is jam-packed with, like, everything. I think it's, like, three or four minutes almost, and it pretty much sets up everything that happens in the movie. Like, if you if you, you need, if you you need watch this trailer, you'll know what you're getting into. You kind of know what characters are going to be doing, what the motivations are, kind of what some of the big action sequences are going to be throughout the film. It, it kind of spoils a lot about the movie but it's kind of what you'd expect yeah. from a film like this i mean it's just kind of it's what you expect out of the fast franchise fun action-packed um jason momo is a surprising treat in the movie like he is definitely a high point of it at least in my opinion if you haven't had a chance to see it yet hopefully you do in the next few days and you can join us again for our review coming out later this week mm -hmm. um then we also got at the beginning of the week just randomly dropped which this is one that had leaked online previously, mm -hmm. um, just terrible quality, but finally got a little snippet teaser of Five Nights at Freddy's, which, of course, I believe Blumhouse is doing. Um, and it stars Matthew Lillard, which a lot of people are really happy about, and uh, Joss Hutchison, of course, from Hunger Games fame. Mm -hmm. And um, it looks it looks very interesting. I, I think there's definitely an audience for this. It kind of leans into that idea of you know the success of the super mario movie and horror movie or in video games kind of making an appearance in mm -hmm. to cinema and i think it makes sense for them to cash out on it i mean five nights at freddy's the first one i know was such a huge game and the and the franchise almost became a little bit more niche with time so it was mm -hmm. one of those games where the first one comes out it blows up huge and then they make a few sequels and it maybe trickles off a little bit yeah um but what was really interesting is that even as the games maybe trickled off a little bit in their mainstream status or popularity, the lore of the franchise itself blew up. I mean, people will watch YouTube videos and these little mini documentaries and miniseries about just Five Nights at Freddy's lore. Because there's like. so much lore. It's it, yeah, it's just it's a bizarre kind of interesting, fun franchise. It's it's bizarre enough to almost feel like. 1980s horror kind yeah, of instilled into a video game like a low budget video game and it's it's kind of fun to see i i think that hopefully the movie kind of pulls off that similar tone 
um, of being almost like a low-budget 80s horror. The trailer seems to give it a little bit of a hint of that tone with a, like, employee instructional video that has a yeah. ton of film grain on it, like it's an old VHS mm-hmm. tape. And I'm curious to see how it comes out. I'm really excited to see Matthew Lillard back on screen. I mm-hmm. really like him as an actor. He seems like a really... Nice yeah, I've seen a lot guy. of stuff where he does panels for the screen movies, and he just seems like, like you said, very down to earth, very funny. Um, just kind of takes pride in what he does. So yeah, I think that's pretty comprehensive for that one. Yeah, uh, it comes out on October twenty seventh. October twenty seventh. Next up, we got Mission Impossible: Dead Reckoning Part One. Yep. So this is the seventh installment in the Mission Impossible franchise. Um, of course, Tom Cruise looking ageless as ever. I was about to say one. Tom Cruise, the vampire, refusing to age. Interview a with the vampire. Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that's his cover. That's his cover story. Uh-huh. Uh, just still full blown action as they've been in the series. And of course, he's doing all of his own stunts. If you didn't, <laughs> if you didn't know. Uh, yeah. So I mean, he's just off the chain in that one, man. We were joking before we uh, started recording that Mission Impossible is kind of like Fast and Furious's more serious cousin. Yeah, it's it's like if Fast and Furious is a B movie, this is like the A equivalent. I mean, it takes stuff more seriously. The plots are more like... A little bit more ground. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, still, you know, just over the top, but at least maybe a slight degree more of, of realism. Yeah. Um, I mean, man, the cast for this is like stacked, too. Like, you see it in the trailer, how stacked this oh, cast Oh, yeah, is. I mean... Are you about to read off some of the cast? Yeah, I'm so really curious to see of how course it you have on the list. Haley Atwell, who was Captain Carter or Peggy Carter in, yeah. the, in the MCU. Um, Rebecca Ferguson, who's been in a lot recently, of course, was in Dune. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome in Dune. Um, you have Vanessa Kirby, who I know from Hobbs and Shaw. She played Shaw's sister, speaking of Fast and Furious. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to butcher this name because I do every time, but it's uh, <laughs> Palm Clementif. Clementif, who is Mantis in Guardians, and she looks really cool in this role. She does. It I feel bad for butchering her well. name, but it's that last name is a doozy. But a little bit difficult. Um, it was great to see her in, in Guardians, and I think she looks just awesome in the trailer. She looks like she's gonna have some cool action sequences in this. Good. Um, of course you have um Simon Pegg returning. He's a big mainstay of the franchise, mm-hmm. and um other names that are that you didn't see in the trailer but are tied to it. Or Angela Bassett and Nicholas Holt, who are two big ones. So I'm just like that is Angela Bassett. I recognize the name, but what was she in recently? Angela Bassett was the uh, queen in Black Panther. That's right, uh-huh. and she was fantastic. She was nominated for an Oscar. I'm really curious to see what they do with her with uh, Mission Impossible because she hasn't made an appearance in the franchise yet, has she? Nope. But those are two big names I'm, I'm seeing here, and she. Uh, I'm excited to see how she does in that. I think that'll be. I think she'll be a great addition. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that it's a two parter is, is interesting to me. I feel like. I wonder if this is kind of how they're ending the franchise on a two-parter. I It kind of seems like it. I mean, it's been a long-standing thing in Hollywood for final movies and franchises to be two-parters. Now we're seeing with Fast X that they're making it a Three. three-parter. <laughs> uh, which at least they didn't put it like in the, the, the name of it, part one. Uh-huh. Um, I don't know. Mission Impossible, even if Tom Cruise still looks the same age, he is getting up there a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long can he keep on doing his own stunts? I think if they do this as like a two-part finale, part two would probably come out in, what, three or four years? Yeah, unless then, unless they're shooting back-to-back. You never know. Tom Cruise will maybe... Yeah, unless they're shooting back-to-back, but I think in like three or four years, Tom Cruise will probably be like, what, in his late 50s, early 60s? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's an insane age to be... I mean, and there's a shot in the trailer where he literally drives a motorcycle off a cliff, and I know a few months back they were doing like behind-the-scenes footage of the filming, Mm-hmm. And you can tell which shot it is. They have this massive ramp built up on a cliff, 
And it's just Tom Cruise on a dirt bike flying off the side of a mountain. Yeah, that's been one of the big stunts they've been showing in a oh, bunch of the trailers. So crazy, crazy stuff. Um, there's only so long you can do that, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. So this may be the, the finale of the series. If so, I, I have faith that they'll do it well. I mean, I Mission too. Impossible yeah. really... It's like they've had good movies and better movies, but I don't know that they've ever had a bad one. Yeah. Um, then, as we mentioned before, oh, that's coming out on July tw- uh, 12th, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, then we also had Killers of the Flower Moon, which we've talked a lot about in this podcast, but we did. they had a little bit of a trailer drop before the uh, film festival showing. Mm-hmm. And very interesting trailer. Um, not doesn't really reveal too much. You get to kind of see a lot of the cast, of course. You know, got to see uh, DiCaprio and... De Niro and Frazier kind of get an implication of like where the film is going. You don't get a lot about the plot, but you can kind of piece some stuff together. It's very tonal. It yes, feels like a very yes. tone oriented. A lot trailer. like those those Oppenheimer trailers, like the early Oppenheimer trailers. Yeah. Very tonal, kind of you understand. The, it leaves the plot very vague, so you're not really going to know what. To, I mean, it looks like there's a bank robbery at one point, a yeah. lot of oil barons, of course. Mm-hmm. We see Leonardo DiCaprio's character seemingly very some protective. Native American tribes. Yeah, it's. I'm really curious to see where it goes. I have too. This is what I'm really excited for. The opening shot of the trailer is fantastic. It looks like a Native American like ritual they're having around a fire, uh, and it, it almost looks like oil raining. Oil down. raining down. Yeah. Yeah, it's. I'm I'm very excited. I find it interesting that it's an Apple TV Plus production. Yeah, it was Apple 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 Pictures or whatever. Mm-hmm. But uh, we, for some reason, we believe it was going to be an Apple TV Plus. But they say exclusively in theaters, which I'm relieved about because this looks like yeah. one you got to see in the movie theater. So and that'll be in theaters on October sixth. Yep. October and November are going to be very movie heavy months this year. Yeah, for, they are for big hitters. Sure. Um. So then we also have one that kind of came out this week. It kind of came out of nowhere. It did, um. Yeah. It's called The Creator, and it's set to release September 29th. Um. Of course, this has John David Washington as the main kind of protagonist. Um. Also stars Ken Watanabe, who's been in. A lot of stuff recently, I feel like. He has. I know he did a lot of the VO work we were talking about for Cyberpunk, and he, he did really John well Wick in that. John Wick 4. He was a John Wick 4. Um, he was also in Mortal Kombat. I, I don't Kombat? know that he does or not, but um, I've definitely seen him around a lot lately. I think he also did the VO for Ghosts of uh, Tsushima. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Um, but was a, uh, he was also PS5 in, uh, how did I forget, he was in the new Godzilla movies. He was. He was the let them fight guy. Yeah. Oh, man. We, we've joked about that for forever. So that was... I'm excited to see him on screen. He's honestly been a really great actor. He's a pretty heavy hitter. Like, his roles may be less mainstream than others, but uh, he is fantastic. Anytime he's on screen, he really kind of dominates a bit. Yeah, and what I found interesting about this is also um, the director is Gareth Edwards, who also did... Rogue One, Rogue One, which is one of the better Star Wars productions in recent years, in my opinion. It kind of comes out, too. Like, in the trailer, there are a lot of, like, beach shots and waterfront mm-hmm. shots, and it does have a very similar tone to that uh, final sequence in Rogue One on the beaches. Uh-huh. And, like, it's it, you can tell with his camera work, the way that he does water lines, it almost felt very similar. The, the world looks very similar to something like Elysium with Matt Damon. Yeah. And also has kind it. of... I don't want to say Terminator vibes, but kind of like the, some of the ideas. It's more AI-oriented. Yeah, it's... it's and very topical. It's for, a very modernized mm-hmm. Terminator, it seems. Um, some little hints at the plot. We'll probably won't go into that too much for this, but um, definitely worth looking up the trailer if you haven't had a chance to see it yet. Yeah, so it's... It has it's, John David Washington as well. Yeah, he's the... He's the uh, yeah, I mentioned he's the uh, main kind of stay of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of described it as a post-apocalyptic thriller... 
and it's impacted by a war between humans and AI, so you kind of see the tension. It seems like the MacGuffin of the movie is, like, the kid that they show, the yeah, AI like a, child. like an AI child. Uh-huh. It seems like a debate about the potential humanity of AI, mm-hmm. and we'll, uh, we'll have to see where that movie sits on the issue by the end of it. For sure. Um, you want to cover Haunted Mansion? I think you know more about that one than I do. Yeah, so Haunted Mansion was one that we got a trailer for. We've already gotten one trailer, so this is the second trailer that we got this, uh, this you know, year. Um, and this is what I was really interested in at the beginning of the year, uh, because the, all we had was just the announcement that Disney was making it. It was very quiet, very little to know about it. And then we got the first trailer, and it kind of opened the floodgates for what's going on. So Haunted Mansion is one of my favorite attractions at Disney World, speaking on Disney World and kind of uh, that whole thing. But they, they have a stat cast for this movie as well. Of course, you have um, Rosario Dawson's kind of the lead in this one, who mm-hmm. you know has her kind of sit with Disney right now doing Ahsoka, which I'm super excited for. Oh, yeah. Um, we also have Danny DeVito. And Owen Wilson, Timothy Haddish, and uh, Lakeith, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, who's done a lot of stuff recently too. Um, just a really stat cast, and I don't I don't know what to think about this movie yet. I hope it's good. It seems like they're taking a lot of inspiration from like the different ghosts and characters in the rides, and some of the lines and stuff the characters mentioned are very reminiscent of the ride. And referential. Um, and it seems like it, it has potential to be better than the Eddie Murphy movie from the late early two thousands. So. But well, because it's more it's more tied to the ride it definitely looks a lot more put together i'm curious how it's going to compete with everyone's childhood nostalgia like from our generation and see yeah. how it holds up against that because i know uh with a lot of these kind of reboots remakes all that it's kind of difficult to compete with that childhood it, nostalgia you have but it does look really fun okay i'm not going to say it's as good because we haven't seen it yet but it mm. reminds me almost kind of what disney did with pirates of the caribbean where they took some of the settings and kind of the ideas and references to the ride in the first Black uh, Curse of the Black Pearl movie, mm-hmm. but they kind of tied it with this whole new narrative with different characters and this big like adventure narrative. Um, it seems very similar to what they're going for in Haunted Mansion. Like they're going to have these different characters in the world of the Haunted Mansion, pretty much. So like rather than just stealing the world and coming up with a new narrative, they take the world that exists and flesh it out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it, I, and I think it could go really well. Yeah, I, I think it, some of the stuff's pretty funny, but we'll we'll see how it goes. I'm I'm very skeptical about it. Is that one going to theaters or is that one straight? It's to theaters. Plus? Uh, that yeah. one comes out on July 28th. Very nice. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, Extraction Two with Chris Hemsworth, which I was a little bit curious about. I thought he was supposed to take a hiatus from acting. He did that mini series with Nat Geo, I think, where they did a DNA test for him or something like that. And he figured out he has the uh, genetic markers for Alzheimer's. Yeah, early stages. And I remember he said after that uh, revelation that he was going to take a little bit of a hiatus from acting, but he's got a few more productions coming out. It looks like he's going to be in Extraction 2, of course. I don't know when they Unless he was it. already working on this, but you never know. Maybe so, but I guess was quite old. But um, nonetheless, they've had a couple of trailers come out, I think, or is it just the one for now? I just, I've just i only seen the one that came out this week. But, but uh, it looks pretty action-packed, directed by the Russo brothers, so you know... Kind of I'll, what to expect out yeah. of action, I'd yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not sure too much to elaborate on that one. It's mainly kind of that lone hero movie, so there isn't really much of a supporting cast that I know of to talk about in mm-hmm. terms of casting. It's mainly just Chris Hemsworth. I know one big part of their marketing is that they had like a three-hour single take, or three-hour, three-minute uh, single take action yeah. sequence. So I'm really curious to see that. It looked pretty good. Did you watch the first one? I did. Did you think it was decent? It was actually pretty good. If, if you go into it, kind of, oh, how, how would I put it? It's almost like a more military-directed 
John Wick and stuff like that. Like, it wasn't some assassin thing, or uh, what's the one with Denzel Washington? Um, the Equalizer. Equalizer. It was kind of along those lines of just having that, like, lone hero that goes through all these trials and tribulations. Um, but it's definitely much more, like, military-oriented than those movies. He's, like, fully kitted out. They're using ARs. It's not like some secret underworld thing or mobs. Um, and that's kind of how Extraction 2 looks like. I mean, a lot of the trailer looks like him, like, escaping from a Russian prison and all this stuff. Um, but if you enjoy stuff like John Wick and Equalizer movies and all those, I'd say you'd probably enjoy Extraction, and it's worth the watch. Yeah, I agree for sure. I think it looks interesting for sure. Yeah. Any more uh, minor notes to touch on for this week? No, I think we covered the big list of major trailers that came out this week and, you know, cans. <laughs> yeah. Well, sounds good to me. Uh, like we said, we'll have a Fast X uh, episode out hopefully late Wednesday or early Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, if you need to know more about the writer's strike, because I know we mentioned that a few times, Again, you can touch back on last week's episode and get a pretty comprehensive description on that. Other than that, we uh, hope you enjoyed and see you soon. Yep.